Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about professionals using the iPad to be productive and get work done. In 1.5, we also plan on doing chroma key. One thing to keep in mind is that's going to improve when we have iOS 11 because iOS 11 will allow us to look at the depth data that it'll report to us data about how deep an object is in your frame. That's going to be something that will make chroma key really a lot better. On today's episode, we have Terry from LumaTouch. She's the co-founder, designer, and product manager of the wonderful video editing application, LumaFusion, for iOS. We dive into the many features they pack into LumaFusion and what updates are in the works. If you do video editing on the iPad, this is the essential app to get. It's the closest thing you'll find to Final Cut Pro for iOS, and it is an active development with some great features in the pipeline. Before we dive into the interview, I just want to share that the next episode will feature an interview with the wonderful folks behind the music notation app, Notion. The app is the closest thing I've found to Sibelius or Finale to hit the iPad and features some great input methods such as handwriting recognition and MIDI keyboard input. So that's what's coming up next. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Terry from Luma-Touch.com. I'm here today with Terry Morgan, co-founder, designer, and product manager of LumaFusion. Uh, welcome, Terry. Thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely. I was really excited to have you on today because your app blew me away. A app I discovered a couple weeks ago when I was looking for a video editor. I've tried iMovie and I've tried Pinnacle Pro, which I guess you guys were involved with. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. Chris and I, who's the, my co-founder of LumaTouch, we both worked at Avid, and that's where we met. And at that time, Avid had asked to develop an iPad editing app. And so that Pinnacle Studio used to be Avid's for iPad. And so did that, and we loved it. But, you know, that was 2010 or 11. So now we kind of know more about iOS. We have a lot of skills behind us, and we've made this app, LumaFusion, that is sort of our dream app. I'd say so. The interface is very modern. And the feature set's really powerful. I, I'm experienced with Final Cut Pro 10. I've used it on the Mac for many years. And all the things that historically I've not been able to do on iOS, I'm finding that I can actually do it now with your app, delighting me every time I try to do something and it does it. Many ways it does it better than Final Cut. The edit view is miraculous. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't do everything Final Cut does. And we're not trying to replace Final Cut. But our goal is to get possible and even normal to edit professionally on a device. And that could mean anything from completing your final product on a mobile device, or at least to having the app as a significant part of your work. And at the moment, we have several projects underway that we think are really going to make professional editors look more closely at mobile editing as a, a useful activity, rather than just something that are non-professional editors might use. Yeah, one of the features I think in the works is a final cut, is it OPML kind of import-export feature? Yes, yeah. One of the things we're working on is uh, the ability to start editing in LumaFusion and then move to finishing up in Final Cut. That's pretty great because, yeah, you can get most of your work done there and then in finalization, maybe go to the Final Cut Pro on the Mac. Sure, sure, yeah. And and, and that's totally fine. I, I totally support that. Right now, we're also working on a companion product called Luma 
Luma Connect, and that will give you more options and more ways of getting media in and out of Luma Fusion on your iOS device. And as part of that, you'll be able to press a single button and have your project render out on your desktop Mac, power of the Mac for rendering, so you can move on to something else on your iOS device and also not take up valuable space on your device. And also in Luma Connect, you'll be able to send the project forward to Final Cut Pro or Premiere and a number of other things that are pretty cool about customizing Luma Fusion for how you want to work. One of the things I noticed is you don't have to choose a resolution when you start your project. It just smartly, as you export, uses the video assets appropriately. Yes. So say you have a 4K video, but if you're trying to export to 4K, it'll do some upscaling as well if you don't have all the necessary assets. Yeah, for sure. What we do is we use something we call time mapping to map the times from the source video to the frame rate on the timeline. And then we determine from that what frame to show at any moment. So this allows us to mix and match frame rates on the same timeline, as well as change frame rates of the project at any time while you're working. And we also allowed loads of different aspect ratios. So beyond the normal 6 by 9, including square or portrait, 9 by 16, 4 by 3, 4 by 5, and all film aspect ratios. So if you're shooting with an app like Filmic Pro, you can use LumaFusion to edit in the same aspect ratio you shot in. That's wonderful. And with the new ProMotion, are you tapping into viewing different frame rates in your app yet, or is that a feature coming? Oh, yeah. You can mix any frame rate on the timeline, but you can. we also export 18 and 240 frames per second, including 25p for PAL countries. Okay. And as you're viewing a 24 frame per second, it'll view on your iPad as 24 if you're view as Yeah, 60. so when we map the frames on the timeline, so if you put 30 frames per second clip on a 60p timeline, you'll see two frames of, of each frame on the timeline. But if you were on the opposite side, if you had 120 frames per second clip, you could put it on a 60p timeline and you would only see every other frame while you're editing. But that set it to 50% speed and access all the other frames to get a really nice, smooth, slow motion. Now, the edit view was something I didn't notice right away and notice how powerful it was right away. And then I started using it, fell in love with this ability to basically set your frames. So the ability to have videos scaled up or scaled down, having text laid out how you want it to be, and just lining up this perfect frame, which is something I do quite a bit with doing a small video inside a frame live text for YouTube videos or you know, you could have a person, a talking head while they're doing a screencast, something like that. It's really powerful what that opens up. How'd you come up with that idea? Well, you know, coming from traditional editing as I do, I'm used to having multiple tracks to layer up different elements I'm using to create either an opening or a closing or like you said, a picture in picture. And it's just sort of standard for professional editing with multiple tracks. But what we did to make it, I think, super cool on LumaFusion is just by double tapping on any of those clips, you get into a whole set of, of edit frame and fit editor, which allows you to move things around. And then there's a color editor. We can do blurs, distortions, and all of these layered up on your single clip, including titles. So you could, for instance, you could create a title with our title editor, put it on a track above a person, and then double tap on that. And first you'll go to the title editor, but you can also switch to the frame and fit editor to move that around. You could color correct it if you wanted to do something fun with the color. You could put blurs on it, distortions, pixel effects. So with just a single, well, actually a double tap, 
you can get a really cool effect. And in those effects editors, you can change the order of how those effects are applied. So for instance, you could put on a blur and then a distortion, or you could switch it around and do a distortion and a blur and get a completely different look. So with LumaFusion, you're, you're going to find that no two effects are going to look the same from two different editors. You know, they're all adjustable. They're all reorderable. So it's super powerful. And you can copy and paste. So if you do an edit, you could copy all framing you did to another clip you have. Exactly. That whole stack of effects, you can choose what parts to paste, but you can copy this whole stack of effects or create a preset from that stack of effects and apply that to any other clip. And you you can save the preset and then apply it to another clip in another project, for instance, even. So you've got this running on how far back hardware-wise do you support with your your application anything that is ios 10 or above okay my question is so currently you're limited to three video tracks and three audio tracks would there be a possibility for say ipad pro users to enable more video and audio tracks because it has more headroom to do something like that there's a possibility of adding more tracks we're currently able to do three layers of 4k on devices that support 4k and we do have unlimited title layers inside the titler but Whether we can add more depends on what future devices can handle in real time. So technically, we could probably add another track on an iPad Pro, for instance. We haven't chosen to do that, kind of not made the app much different devices. But you might see like some apps advertising that they do unlimited layers. But in fact, in most cases, well, in all cases that I know of, they're doing one layer of 4K and the remainder of the layers can only hold lower resolution clips. So, I mean, that might make sense to a technician, but not to a creative editor. I mean, can you imagine saying, oh, I have my 4K clip as a base, but I can't use another 4K clip as a picture in picture. Yeah, agreed. I would love the ability to, if you guys could test what the limitations are of that second gen iPad Pro and uh, maybe an in-app purchase to unlock. We'll definitely keep up with what possibilities are and, and keep adding to the app as we can. Now, another thing I noticed is the retiming feature, which works really well. You can slow down, you could speed up or even reverse. But something that I used to do quite a bit in Final Cut Pro 10 is retiming in the timeline, matching up with a voiceover. So I'm doing something that's a voiceover and I'm trying to fit that video uh, to what I'm voicing over. I'd love the ability to be able to retime the natural t- timeline versus the edit view. Is that something that Will be possible in the future? Yeah, actually, um, we do have a request for adding an interface right on the timeline for speech, and, and I think that's a great idea. Right now, of course, you can just do the speed changes in the speed editor, like you were mentioning, but then you don't see the current view of the timeline while you adjust. So we'll take a look and see if we can find a way to improve that and give you the proper view while you're doing that. And then in the export options, I noticed there is an option for the 360 videos. How would someone actually create that kind of video? Yeah, we've made it pretty simple. So the first thing you do is just create a project with a two to one aspect ratio and then go shoot your 360 VR video and drop it into the timeline, uh, your two to one timeline. And then when you export, you just either choose 360 mono, depending on what you shot, or you could choose 360 stereo left and right or top and bottom. And that's it. Then we maintain the metadata that was on your clip and inject it into the final export so that it, you can view it properly on a 360 viewer. So that would require, obviously, a 360 camera or what? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's a variety of them and we we support 
both the mono and the stereo types. Okay. Do you know the low end range of those cameras? Are they coming down for consumers or? I haven't really looked. I have one that maybe cost me $120. I think they range to pretty expensive, especially the stereo ones. Is that separate from 3D creation if you're trying to create a 3D video? Yeah. I don't know that we will ever, I don't know. I shouldn't say never, but yeah. I, yeah. We don't do 3D. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, that's a yeah. It is. Well, like Alyssa, yeah, and it's it's kind of gone out of flavor anyway. Right? It has, yeah. The audio editor I use for editing this podcast is called Ferrite, and they added this ability to do custom keyboard shortcuts. How easy or hard is that to add to an application? That's certainly not out of the question to do. You know, we put it on our list. We can get it in. We will. Did notice when we added the keyboard shortcuts is. We, we were pleasantly surprised at how much of a positive impact it had on editing. I mean, just to be able to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the, with, uh, the customized keyboard shortcuts, it's been wonderful in Ferret because I've set it up to have my left hand never have to leave the keyboard to do all my edits and my right hand's free to do screen gestures as needed. Ah, I will think about that when we create it. <laughs> right, yeah. So some of the advanced features in your application, can you explain what can be done with the motion edits? Yeah, so I kind of went into a little bit of what you can do, but I think that definitely one thing that get, gets overlooked in our app is this powerful effects editor that we have. When I say keyframing, I'm assuming most of your audience knows what keyframing is, but I'm going to say keyframing is the ability to say at this particular frame, I want image to look exactly like this, be in this position, be this color, have this effect with this setting on it, and so on. And then on another frame, have it be completely different. And then between those keyframes, it'll smoothly transition between them. And so all of our effects, including the frame and fit, which does the size, position, rotation, opacity, but also the color, all the distortion effects and blurs, all of that can be keyframed. And those things can be layered up on top of each other so that you have multiple motions going on. People have just made some beautiful, beautiful projects out of this, some music videos that I'm just stunned by. So that is one power that I think it's overlooked partly because our app is used a lot by journalists, mobile journalists, and they don't tend to do effects. But any kind of creative project that's, that's not, they would find that powerful. But one other thing that is kind of overlooked on our app is the ability to choose how you edit, like insert and overwrite editing on the timeline. So it means you can choose how the remainder of the clips on your timeline behave when you add another clip. So do they sit still or do they move down to make way for another clip? And this is like traditional nonlinear professional editing, but We've combined that with clip linking, which you know Final Cut Pro has, but, but we've kind of one up their clip linking because if you want in LumaFusion, you can tell a clip to either stay linked to the clip on the main track or you can unlink it really easily just with a, with a single tap. So this linking plus the insert overwrite makes it possible to actually do professional storytelling and professional editing on, on the app. Yeah, it's a really nice feature because you can move around your edits and it's something that can really be a pain in the butt. If right, if your second and third layers or your audio layers get out of sync, then it's just this whole moving puzzle that's really horrifying to work with. But clip linking and the insert overwrite allow you to manage what moves and what doesn't move and it's it's pretty cool yeah what kind of presets can you build and do those go across your different projects so you could like set up kind of templates or what, what can you explain what the presets are for 
Yeah, the presets, you can make a preset from any effect or you can make an, a, a preset from a title or any group of effects. And those can be applied to any clip in that project or in any other project. One of the things that people might like to do is import their logo into the titler and then create a set of title presets like their lower thirds or their main titles with the, including their logo and the colors and the fonts you like. And then on each new project, you just have to go grab that preset. Say it's a, a name bar, then all you have to do is change the name of person. Oh, that's really nice. What kind of audio tools did you guys build into this app? Well, originally we had a track mixer and a clip editor. So the track mixer allows you to mix, you know, all the audio levels between the different tracks in your timeline. And the audio clip editor allows you to set the levels of a particular clip in your timeline and keyframe those levels. And then in 1.4 that's coming out shortly, we have rewritten the entire audio pipeline to make it more robust and allow dual mono, audio ducking, audio filters and effects. And so those things are coming soon. Dual mono is mostly for people that are shooting with a camera where they have one microphone for the interviewee and say one microphone doing background noise or other, you know, ambient sound. And they need to split those. They record it onto a stereo track, flip those out so that they can control what they hear and how much of it. We've implemented this dual mono so you can split those stereo clips out into two mono tracks and have complete control over how much and whether or not you hear those and effects. And audio ducking is when you are editing and you have, say, music, but you want the music to go down whenever someone starts talking on another track. So it's for interviews. And what will happen is your audio, your music will automatically lower down when the person starts talking. Excellent. Yeah, that's something I definitely use in Ferret quite a bit. It's very important so you can hear the person. Right. And you can do it manually, but it does save a lot of work. Yeah. What other features are coming in 1.4? Mostly 1.4 is an audio type. You know, it's a whole audio engine. Okay. Yeah. 1.4 has iCloud support, which is really important. People have been asking for iCloud support. That'll sync your presets across devices or what's that going to sync? Well, you can import and export media from iCloud. And we hadn't supported it at first because it just didn't have the ability to do some things that all of our other providers did, like Dropbox or Box. Okay, yeah, because currently I'll just open the Files app and send it from there, but it'll be built into the app now, which will be nice. Right, and then 1.5 will be a long-awaited cropping feature. The Frame and Fit Editor, you can move a clip left and right, grow it and rotate it, but... This will allow you to crop it, so get rid of part of the image and move it around, which means you could do split screens and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Now, one thing I noticed with the frame and fit, it can be hard sometimes to pinch in, move around the assets in there. be nice to get rid of the rest of the interface and just have the whole iPad be devoted to framing that, that screen. Yeah, we have another request to be able to get rid of settings on the side. Certainly a valid point. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I can do it on the 12.9, but it'd be a little harder on the smaller screen. Right. And on an iPhone, yeah, it, it gets really hard. We'll keep improving the layout. We do have this layout button that kind of allows you to eliminate some things from your screen while you're working on certain things. But I think we need to improve that and improve how much space you get in the frame and fit editor. But also, oh, in 1.5, we also plan on doing chroma key. Oh, I was going to ask you about that later. That is awesome. So that's yeah. green screen support or blue screen for people that don't know. Yeah, we'll let you do any color. You know, one thing to keep in mind is that's going to improve when we have iOS 11 because 
iOS 11 will allow us to look at the depth data. It'll report to us data about how deep an object is in your frame. That's really cool. Yeah, so what that means, with our extensive effects engine and our layering, what we'll be able to do is you can put any effect on a background. So someone's standing there, foreground, and you could have you know a whirlwind of effects going on behind them, or you could just do a simple blur behind them, or you could do black and white behind them, or do something to the foreground. So that's going to be something that will make chroma key really a lot better. Motion tracking and stabilization will all be improved in iOS 11. So those things, we're kind of waiting to see how that works. Are there any other iOS 11 features such as drag and drop that you guys are looking into? Yes, we'll be able to do any of those standard things that are in iOS 11, which will be multi-file drag and drop and multiple file import from iCloud Drive. Now, drag and drop, I know you can drag text around. Would your app be smart enough to you drag text in and it puts it in as a title or is that? I don't think that's too grandiose to ask for. And I would have to have Chris answer that as he's the developer. But I think it sounds reasonable to me anyway. Yeah, that'd be pretty fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I can instantly imagine photos and videos just being dragged in, which will be so nice. I know the app doesn't support split screen. Right. We've just implemented that. It's actually in beta right now. It'll be in 1.4. That's really exciting. Something I run across every time is you mentioned earlier how the Connect product will let you do Mac encoding. But I like encoding things on my iPad because I've got storage and I'm able to. But you're stuck in that app, basically, right? Split screen will let me you know, make it smaller and be able to still work on other things on my iPad. And with Luma Connect, there's something I didn't mention that maybe I should. One of the cool things is, you know how iOS doesn't support like ProRes, for instance? Right, yeah. So Luma Connect will allow you to drag and drop. This is, on, this is a Mac app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll drag and drop your ProRes or any media that's unsupported by iOS. You'll drag and drop into the Luma Connect interface. And then from Luma Fusion, you can go and import that media and it will allow you to edit with proxies. They're high, they're, they're good looking high res proxies, but they're basically iOS compatible media. So you'll be able to actually work with your ProRes media. And then when you're done with editing in LumaFusion, you can press a button, send it back to LumaConnect and LumaConnect will go and get your ProRes media and re-edit your sequence. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, um, I have to say all of this that, that's coming in Luma Connect is also going to work with a Mac desktop version of LumaFusion that's on the way next year. Exciting. So the yeah. yeah, desktop version. Okay, so similar feature set as your aim or are you looking to be a little bit more advanced on the desktop? It'll probably have things that are slightly more advanced because there's just more codecs and more options with, with Mac. But I think one of the beauties of LumaFusion is that it's super simple to use and super fun to use. And part of that is because we didn't geek out on it. We allow you to do the quality things that you need to do. I think my choice as a designer would be try to keep that simplicity and fun to using it even on the Mac. Because there's already a Final Cut out there. And for people that want to do geeky stuff, that's a great place to go. It's a good editor. I mean, it was only geeky stuff, but we don't need to be in that market. Where we want to be is above iMovie. I would expect to see at least all the features of LumaFusion. And you could probably sync the the presets from your iPad to your Mac. For sure. So that 
piece of LumaConnect will be integrated into the Mac version. So you'll be able to start editing in one place, start doing your effects, start doing whatever you're doing in one place, and then move to the other one pretty much seamlessly. Yeah, that's very cool. Realty-free music is something you guys decided to include in the app. How was that process like? Was it expensive procuring all those audio clips? I think mostly it was time consuming because I had to pick those out. (laughs) (laughs) But what we did was just contact individual musicians from around the world, frankly, and buy the licensing for our customers. It was kind of interesting to set up a licensing deal that wasn't for us to use the music, except for in our app, but for our customers to use it however they wanted. It was relatively expensive, but there can never be enough music. So we're going to start working with a music library so that we can integrate a music library on top of the free stuff and users will be able to purchase music as they need it for their projects through the app. Can't give it to you cheaper than you could get if you just went to the website or whatever. Yeah, they, they won't be inexpensive. There's different options. We're, we're looking at several companies right now and trying to figure out what's the highest quality stuff for the best price. Yeah. One thing we didn't want to do is have our users have to sift through thousands of crappy songs. Yeah, so there'll be some quality control, which is good here. One feature I noticed in the app is the ability to insert a blank clip, which is pretty nice. Can you explain what users are doing with this? Yeah, so a blank clip is used for timing as a placeholder to time out a certain placeholder that you're going to fill with media later. For example, you want to get started editing your movie and your audio, but you still have some video shots to get. So you might just put a blank clip there and say, well, I'll fill it later. Then when you get the new clip, you just drop it on top of the blank clip and and choose replace. So that's one way to use it. And and the other, you know, quite frankly, is just for a creative pause. I've seen really cool experimental films. Oh, yeah. Cut to black. Some of the lower end editors, especially on iOS, completely ignore black and say every clip is going to bang up next to the other one. And you're really not allowed to have more than a dip to black. And that's that's one thing. But we being a creative editor myself, black is pretty important part of my process. Yeah, definitely. Now, the second generation iPad Pro came out recently. How's iOS work? Does it automatically scale up to have faster exports and things of that nature? Or how, how are you guys taking advantage of the power in that new processor? Yeah, we do take full advantage of Apple technology, including core image, core audio, and AV foundation. So we automatically get optimizations for the latest hardware. Yeah, I'd love to test one day, grab my iPad Air 2 and use my iPad Pro and do an export and just time them to see how much faster it's gone just a couple of years. Yeah, I don't have an iPad Pro, but our tester Ann has one. And I sit and watch with Envy sometimes because it does actually make a pretty big difference. <laughs> Yeah. So we do take advantage of whatever processing power there is. Okay. And it's really nice having a 512 gigabyte option now because I don't have to worry about storage anymore, basically, for using your app. Have you tried the project backup at all? I haven't yet. No, I've just been exporting the photos and then I go to Safari for YouTube uploads from there. So one of the cool things that you can do with the app is... Say you didn't have so much space on your iPad, you can do a project archive and you can store it anywhere, Google Drive, OneDrive, Box, Dropbox, whatever. But you could also airdrop it to your Mac, for instance. And that project archive has either portions of the media that you used or all the whole entire clip of every clip. Basically, you're backing up your project, you can delete the media off of your iOS device and then later when you bring it back, you 
restore the project and it'll come back and just be like it was before. Yeah, that's a great feature. Now, one feature in Final Cut that I'd love to see in this app is multi-cam editing in kind of the interface they do because their interface is so brilliant. So they have, say, four video clips all running simultaneously and you just tap on which one you want to cut to in real time. It uses audio to sync that all up. Is that something that's remotely possible in the potential future timeline? It is possible, and we do have it on our list of things to investigate and do. Do the audio sync up by waveform would take some analysis of the audio first, but that's not undoable. But yeah, I mean, I think that touch interfaces are a great place for multicam because it's such a natural thing to touch the thing that you like for viewers and have it cut to that. And I think it would be really fun to have that. Something that when I started learning Final Cut, I realized just how simple and powerful that, mm-hmm. that can be. You know, people have old iPhones. They could be recording a couple different videos all at once and cut between them. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of cool things you could do with that, actually. One thing I was wondering is with iOS, is the app able to encode in the background at all? Or will after a couple seconds, will the operating system just shut that process yeah, down? Yeah, we don't have background rendering. And I think it might be possible with the team of engineers to do that, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm curious with the maybe slide over, you could do, you could start your ex- export and slide over in iOS 11. That, that'd be interesting to play around with. Another thing I noticed that your app doesn't have or I didn't think has yet is video stabilization. Now that, that feature on Final Cut is hit or miss with me. Is that something you guys have looked at? We'll be looking at it closer after iOS 11 because iOS 11 is going to have that'll improve the way you could do stabilization. But, you know, stabilization is always a bit of hit hit or miss depending on your media because basically it has to blow up the frame large enough to be able to wiggle it around. Yeah. I, I think if we do it, we'd want to make sure that we did a good job at it. And so iOS 11 will help us to do that. Excellent. Not that it's going to come out right when iOS 11 Yeah, but something you'll be able to start to tap into. (laughs) I guess one of the last questions I have is, what's your most requested features from your users? What are you getting feedback on? Well, it'll always probably the next thing on our list to do because that's how we work. (laughs) So (laughs) we track every quest, whether it comes through our forum or email or Twitter, Facebook, And those all go into a database and we have regular assessments of that. So the next things are iCloud support because people have asked so much for that. Chroma key, uh, export to Final Cut Pro. I'm not sure if that might be an in-app purchase. We're not sure yet. And then cropping. So those are our top requests. And so that's what we'll do next. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic. And I've just been getting very excited hearing about all the new things that are will be coming. Learning yeah. about things that are already in there that I didn't really know about. So this is, yeah, this is great. Oh, good. Well, we really appreciate that you took the time to interview us. And we hope that your users get some information from this so thank you absolutely so people can find LumaFusion pro in the app store just by searching and then yeah just search for LumaFusion. LumaFusion, okay and what's the domain for your website to learn more about the app lumatouch.com l-u-m-a-t-o-u-c-h great well thank you so much terry for your time it's been fantastic yeah thank you tim Thanks for listening to this episode of ipad pros you can find the show notes over at www.ipadpros.net many of the episodes also have what i call video extras These are video screencasts that showcase an app or process I talk about. You'll find these extras if an episode has them in the show notes over at iPadPros.net. If you like the show, please review it in iTunes and pass along to a friend. 
If you have feedback or questions, please send those to ipadprospodcast at gmail.com. If you have an interesting workflow or use of the iPad, please get in touch as I'd love to have you on the show to discuss it. You can follow the show on Twitter at iPadProsPodcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at T-C-H-A-T-E-N. With that, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with an interview with the wonderful folks behind the music notation app, Notion. Notion.